Amen. All right. Now, I don't know if you guys realize this. It might come as a surprise, but um, did you guys realize this? Uh, sometimes we Christians can act like a, like a bunch of goofballs, to use the term. Have you noticed that? All right? In fact, turn to somebody and say, hey, man, you're a goofball. All right, go ahead. Feels kind of good. You're a goofball, right? And, uh, okay, you weren't supposed to be pointing at me. But uh, anyway, but, uh, and, and again, I'm not pulling this out of thin air, folks. I have got proof. Once again, believe it or not, I came across yet another. They just don't seem to stop. Yet another list of church bulletin bloopers. And you tell me, folks, if this is not goofball city. But let's take a look. at. And I'm not making this up. This actually printed in church bulletins, right? Here's one. Hey, the ladies of the church have cast off clothing of every kind. They may be seen in the basement on Friday afternoon. Okay, <laughs> that's not the kind of uh, uh, fundraiser you want to be a part of. But hey, that's right. Hey, place your donation in the envelope along with the deceased person you won't remember. <laughs> Those are called body bags, not envelopes. That's kind of gross. So let's just move on, shall we? Uh, at, at this week's conference, you will hear an excellent speaker and heave a healthy lunch. That's right. You know they're serving chicken. And that's why that happened. Uh, but let's move on. Hey, the church will host an evening of fine dining, superb entertainment, and gracious hostility. Because we're Christians after all, right? You might as well be nice about beating each other up. You know, hey, hey, that's right. The church is glad to have with us today Reverend Jack Smith as our visiting guest monster. That's right. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be minister. Do a spell check or something. But uh, hey, the, I love this one. The low self-esteem of support group will meet Thursday at 7 to 8, 30 p.m. Please use the back door. <laughs> Yeah, that'll fire them up. <laughs> hey, this evening at 7, there's going to be a hymn singing in the, in the park across the church. Hey, bring a blanket and uh, come prepared to sin. Hey, that's right. Uh, uh, G, add the G. G, sing, sing. But let's move on. Hey, for pancake breakfast next Saturday, the pastor would appreciate it if the ladies would, of the congregation would lend them their electric girdles. Woo! Uh, it's supposed to be griddle. Griddle is what the word is there. Uh, the associate minister unveiled the church's new stewardship campaign slogan last Sunday. I up my pledge, up yours. Right? That's right. <laughs> what is up with that? Oh, man. Hey, that's right. Next Sunday is the family hayride and bonfire at the Fowlers. Everyone come for a fun time. Bring your own hot dogs and guns. Woo! Yeah, that's a church you want to be a part of. And, uh, but hey, who can forget? That's right. Barbara remains in the hospital and needs blood donors for more transfusions. She's also having trouble sleeping and requests tapes of Pastor Jack's sermons. <laughs> that ain't funny. <laughs> Man, let's just move on. All right, hey, the Christmas season, this Christmas season, smile at somebody who's hard to love and say hell to those who don't care much about you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, that's the Christmas spirit right there, I tell you why. <laughs> I'm not making those up. Those actually were uh, somewhere else. Some other church. Yeah, but, uh, but the proof is in the pudding, folks. We Christians can act like a bunch of goofballs, right? It's all over the place. It just happens, right? But folks, uh, believe it or not, I found something that's probably the most biggest example of being a goofball as Christians. And can anybody guess what it is? It's when we act like practical atheists. Can you believe that? Talk about being a goofball, right? I mean, we say we believe in God, right? right? But what's the problem? Half the time with our lips and our lives, what are we doing? We're giving the impression like God doesn't even exist. Okay, a practical atheist. As we've been seeing, it's not just detrimental in our walk with God, it keeps other people from believing in God. So to avoid this irony of you and I as Christians living like these practical atheists by not knowing who God is, we're going to continue in our study in the Holy Word of God on the character of God. Now, we've already seen the first thing we need to know about God. Hello, he's what? He's 
We're here for a real reason. He really does exist. It's not a pipe dream. The second thing that God is what? He's personal. He's intimate. Jesus died for a personal, loving, intimate relationship. Amen. The third thing we saw, God is what? He's wise. He knows everything. He never gets it wrong. So why in the world would you go anywhere else for wisdom when you need it? The fourth thing we saw, hello, God is what? He is sovereign. He's got control over all things. And if you love him, do you love him? Raise your hand. Amen. Then guess what? He promised you that he will work all things together for good. That's a fantastic promise. The fifth thing we saw, he is powerful. God can save anybody he wants. He can meet any need he wants. Okay? It's just absolute. There's always hope when he's on the throne. And last time I checked, he's always on the throne. Right? He's got the power to do what he wants to do. And then the last six times we saw the sixth thing is God is what? He is holy. He is holy. He is holy. That's the only attribute in Scripture of God mentioned three times for emphasis. And so we saw, man, God really wants us to know this one okay and so we said well let's not create an idol ourselves and make it up let's get back to the holy word of god and what does it tell us about the holiness of god and there we saw that the bible tells us that uh, you can learn about that holiness how intense it really is when you look at the reaction of people the removal of people and the last four times god's reminders for people that first reminder if you recall was the traveling tabernacle and the last three times we saw the second reminder was in the ten commandments Okay, they were to reveal our need of a savior. Okay, we can't even keep these 10 things. What are those 10 things? Well, the first eight we saw was you shall have no other gods, no other idols. Do not use God's name in vain. Keep the Sabbath. Just give them a day, will you? Honor your parents. And last time, don't murder, don't commit adultery, and don't steal. And every single one of us for every single day of our existence, we've been able to keep all those. No, and I'm glad you said that because the next one we're getting to here in just about 30 seconds is lying. Okay. <laughs> no, we can't keep them. So what's God trying to tell us? This is his reminder. He's not just waiting for you to somehow stumble across it. He's telling us in the scripture through the tabernacle or the Ten Commandments, he is holy. We are not. We deserve to die and go straight to hell. What's the conclusion? Oh, God, save me. I need a savior. And praise God, he even gave us that. His name is Jesus. Amen. Okay. That's what he's trying to remind us in the Ten Commandments. But hey, that's right. For those of you hooked on math, there's 10. We went through eight. How many's left? Two. Give yourselves a hand. You guys are awesome today. That's right. Must have ate a granola bar or something. But that's right. The ninth commandment. Remind us God's holy. We are not. We need a savior. You shall not bear false witness. Uh-oh. You know what that means? It's when you go to court, then you got to... No, it's called lying. Oh, wow. Are you serious? Yeah. Don't take my word for it. Let's go back to the context. Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. And uh, let's grab the context. God is the one speaking here. God's the one giving out these commandments. God's the one who makes up the rules. God's the one who created everything. I think he has the right to make up the rules. Okay, hello. Exodus chapter 20. And uh, again, we're going to read verses 1 through 16 as we get up to the ninth commandment there. Exodus 20, verses 1 through 16. Let's go ahead and stand as we read the holy word of God. Exodus 20, verse 1 says there, And who spoke? God spoke. How many of these words? All these words. And here's what he says. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Number two, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or the waters below. And you shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Number three, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Why? For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Number four, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it what? 
holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, uh, nor even the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it Holy. Number five, honor your father and your mother. Why? So that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. Uh, number six, you shall not murder. Number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Number eight, you shall not steal. Number nine, here it is, you shall not give false testimony against who? Your neighbor. You may be seated. As we see here, this is God's, of course, again, night test now that he's putting us through, revealing in essence his holiness and our sinfulness, and it's this prohibition of bearing false witness. Okay. Now, again, for those you may not know, the word bearing false witness or false witness, it means, listen, to deceive. It means to deceive. It means to do something fraudulent. Just the basic core of this means, it means to lie. You're being deceitful about something. You're lying. You're being fraudulent. Now, you look at this commandment. We've already been, obviously, through the first eight. And I don't know if you know this, but, man, this ninth one on lying? Let's be honest, man. We break this commandment all the time. Listen, we don't just break it all the time. We break it all the time without even thinking about it. Let me give you some examples, right? For instance, how many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. All right? Okay, now those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. We do it all the time without even thinking about it, right? Just like it's no big deals, no big shakes. Who cares? But this is one of the Ten Commandments. This is the ninth one, okay? And again, in fact, we not only break it all the time without even thinking about it, but we lie all the time, okay? But we even lie about lying. <laughs> Let me give you some examples, right? It, 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 uh, we, we, we make excuses, right? We make excuses. Let me, like, like we say, well, it was just a little lie. It's, it's just a little teeny winty one. It's just a little bitty guy, right? It's not going to hurt anybody. Well, you, you guys just read the text too. Did, did God say you shall not bear a small false witness? <laughs> no, he said you shall not bear a false witness at all. If color, you know, size doesn't work, that's what we do. We, go to, we color it. Have you heard that one? Well, come on, man. What are you being legalistic? Okay, it's just a little, it was a white lie, right? Apparently orange ones, green ones, chartreuse are not okay. But a white one, if it's a white one, is white lie? Oh, I mean, nobody's going to know the difference. It's a white lie. But again, you guys saw the text. Did God say you shall not bear a certain color of false witness? Or did he say you shall not do it at all, period? You could size it up, you can color it, it ain't going to change it. It's still a lie. Now, I believe it's not only because of this flippant attitude towards this commandment is why people today can frankly give a rip about it. But here's what's making it worse. We do it all the time, we don't even think about it. Then we size it up, then we color it. Here's how bad our society is getting towards this commandment. You shall not lie. They're cashing in on it. They're making a business out of breaking this commandment called lying. Let me give you an example. I actually came across, I'm not kidding, a website. A website that is now offering the so-called perfect alibi for those who are committing adultery. Yeah, listen, here's what they said. I kid you not. Uh, for a small fee, cashing in on it, our agency will provide the perfect alibi to your spouse to cover your deception. We'll post invitations to events you'll never attend. We'll make phone calls to your spouse posing as a secretary or hotel clerk confirming an event. And that's right, we'll even, make an, an, we'll even take calls for you as if they were at hotels, including the caller hearing them trying your room and paging you. Can you believe that? They actually created a business out of lying. 
And you guys know what the website was? I ain't telling you, hello, I'm a pastor. <laughs> I can't believe you guys. <laughs> it's still not all. One of the biggest ways, this is what, we, listen, we, 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 we do without thinking about it. Right? Then we lie about lying, right? We size up, we color, we, we see people cashing in on it. But listen to this, I got to think about this. This might kind of sound out of place seasonally. But I got to think about this. We actually make an annual event out of lying. Christmas. Christmas is no longer a time to celebrate the gift of a Savior. Now it's to celebrate a gift from a guy named Santa. We no longer tell our kids the truth about God sending his one only son to save the world. No, no, no. It's about a big old overweight jolly guy who gives toys to boys and girls. Now the irony is this. Christmas is supposed to be about the birth of Christ when God sent his son to what? To forgive us of all these sins, including the Ten Commandments that we can't even keep, including lying. And then on that very day when we're supposed to celebrate that wonderful gift we lie and make it into something else. Isn't that wild? That's crazy. In fact, to show you how much we love to lie about what Christmas is supposed to be about, let's take a look at what people are saying, right? These little statistics on this guy named Santa Claus. In England, about 7 million children leave mince pies and a drink for Santa on Christmas Eve. That's a lot of wasted food. In the U.S., kids leave an estimated 812 million cookies out for Santa on Christmas Eve. Wow. That could go to a different cause. Uh, New York City post office, just New York City, the post office there, gets 250,000 letters to Santa each year, every single year, quarter minute, and they got stamps on them. That's a lot of cash down the tubes, okay? Uh, the North Pole, just the North Pole receives close to a half a million letters from Santa each year, again, with postage on that. And the U.S. post office in general gets over one million letters to Santa each year. Well, you could, that's a whole lot of money you can give to missions or something else, and for something that's not true. In fact, the average number of Santas hired per shopping mall each year is about four. Got to have at least four in the shopping mall. I thought there was just one, but no, got to make sure. Hey, more than 25 million kids visit Santa in malls nationwide each year. 25 million to propagate this lie. Uh-oh, I know what you're thinking. Pastor Billy, come on, man. Again, last week, now this week, what, what, did you have a bad vacation? I mean, you came back and everything's all intense. Oh. No, I'm, folks, think about that. I could, it blew me away the irony of this. Because hey, again, people, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Fibbing. Oh, what's that? What are we gonna, it's, okay, so we called lying another word. It makes it okay. It's a fib. It's a fib. There's a rib. What's a fib? It's lying. So fibbing, so fibbing, about Santa Claus, it's not going to hurt anybody. I mean, come on. I've had young adults in my office over the years as a pastor. And you know what a big stumbling block was for them to get over? You know what? If mom and dad lied to me about this guy that I don't, have never seen, but he's got this supernatural power and, 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 and he can tell if I'm naughty or nice and then he wants to come and surprise me with a great gift. If they lied about that then maybe they're lying about this Jesus thing too. Who knows whether I'm naughty or nice and everything I've ever done and wants to give me a gift too. I've counseled kids. Parents, it is a stumbling block. But guess what? It's called lying. It's like this. Two boys, they were walking home from Sunday school after hearing some strong preaching about the devil. And one of the boys said to the other one, he says, what do you, what do you think about all this devil stuff and hell and all that stuff? 
And the other boy says, well, you know how Santa Claus turned out. He's probably just your dad. Right? It's a logical response. If you lie about a Santa whom kids have never seen, then maybe you're lying about a Savior they've never seen. If you lie about a Santa whom they've never seen, then maybe you're lying about a devil they've never seen. Do you see the obvious conclusion? But it's still called lying. Now, I'm here to help you out. Obviously, that's what pastors are supposed to do, parents. Right? And if you've been, unfortunately, lying about the true meaning of Christmas, and you just don't know how to break it to your kids, let me, let me help you out. Let me give you at least the scientific answer to Santa Claus. Maybe this will help you break the news. Based on the population of people that believe in Santa Claus, Santa would have to make an estimated 108 million stops. This would be a total trip of 75.5 million miles, not counting the bathroom stops or breaks. This means Santa's sleigh would have to move at 650 miles per second or 3,000 times the speed of Sam. And assuming that each child gets on average one gift weighing two pounds, the sleigh would have to carry over 500,000 tons, not counting Santa himself. But 500,000 tons traveling at 650 miles per second creates enormous air resistance. This would heat the reindeer up in the same fashion as a spacecraft re-entering the Earth's atmosphere. Therefore, the reindeer would be vaporized in 4.26 thousandths of a second, uh, right about the time that Santa reached his fifth house on the trip. Not that it matters, however, since Santa, as a result of accelerating from a dead stop to 650 uh, miles per second in 0.001 seconds, would be subjected to an acceleration force of 17,500 Gs. This would pin Santa back uh, to the back of the sleigh with a by 4,315,015 pounds of force, instantly crushing his bones and organs, reducing him to a quivering blob of, of pink goo, therefore if Santa did exist, he's dead now. <laughs> Let's be honest. Come on. If we're not going to spend time Christmas honoring the birth of Jesus Christ, and if we're going to proclaim a mythical made-up figure, then don't add another lie on top of the lie. Stop calling it Christmas. Call it what you've lied and turned it into. Call it Santa Mass. If you're going to be honest. Hey, folks, if our greatest need was information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need was technology, he would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need was money, he would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need was pleasure, he would have sent us an entertainer. If, and if our greatest need was toys, yes, he would have sent us a Santa. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so he sent us Jesus Christ. That's what it's supposed to be all about. A so-called Santa may put gifts under your tree, but Jesus Christ became our gift, and he died on a tree. That's no lie. And you might think, hey, come on, Pastor Phil, come on, everybody does that one. I'm only human. I mean, surely lying once in a while, you know, white color, size, Santa. Surely it's not that big of a deal, right? Wrong. Folks, once again, the Bible is consistent. Lying is called a sin. Lying against the holy God is called a sin. And the penalty for sin against the holy God is you deserve to die, and so do I, and go straight to hell the first time you ever told a lie, let alone about Santa Claus. Deuteronomy 19, 18 through 21. The judges must make a thorough investigation, and if the witness proves to be a what? A liar giving false testimony against his brother, then do to him as he intends to do to his brother. You must purge the what? evil from among you the rest of the people will hear this and will be afraid and never again will such an evil thing be done among you show no pity what life for life eye for eye tooth for tooth hand for hand foot for foot once again what's god trying to say 
Folks, let's be honest. Really, you think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You don't need my son, Jesus Christ? You don't want to accept my gift of mercy through him? You really think you're going to get there on your own? Now, tell you what. Can you at least just do this one? Don't ever once tell a lie. We can't do that. Why does God throw that one out there? Because Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through him. God is holy. That means he only can and always only will ever tell the truth. A lie is offensive to him because God doesn't deceive us. Isn't that good news? And certainly as his people, we need to be consistent and be truth tellers as well. God is holy, we are not. We need a Savior, his name is Jesus. That's what he's trying. I can't even keep this ninth one. But maybe the tenth one, right? We hardly ever talk about that tenth one. Let's take a look at that one. Uh, God, what's he say? He says, the tenth commandment reminds he's holy, we're not. Okay, I blew all the other ones, but come on, how about this one? You shall not what? Covet, right? I mean, okay, how are we gonna do on that one? Yeah, bad. You're, you got the you got the track record wrong. You're right. But let's take a look at what God says about that uh, here. Once again, Exodus 20. Now, verse 17. Here's what He says: And you shall not covet what your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant or his ox or his donkey or what anything that belongs to your neighbor. So again, now God's putting us through the 10th one, right? If you want a little lie and think that you made it through the first nine, you didn't. But here's another one. How about this one then, right? And it's this next commandment, uh, uh, a test uh, against coveting. Now, most of us, we don't understand what in the world is this talking about. And because of that, we break it all the time just like with lying. The word covet, listen, means to listen, to eagerly desire what belongs to another or to wish for it enviously. Gotta have it. What's the scripture say? Be content with what you have. Why? Because who's our provider? God, what do, are you actually going to walk around and give the impression that God doesn't know how to provide? How many guys have clothes on? Praise God, every one of you. That'd be, <laughs> okay. How many guys got some food in your gut? Woo-hoo, right? Okay. And how many guys got a place to sleep? All right. Guess what? Praise God. He's faithful, isn't he? He's done everything he said. You seek first my kingdom, my righteous, Matthew 6. All these things will be added unto you. You don't need to worry about what you eat, what you drink, what you're going to wear. I'll take care of you. Hey, so we should be what? Content. Oh, no, that's not good enough now. Our world wants us to break this commandment. In fact, did you know that our economy banks on you and I breaking this commandment? Because we got to buy. And we got to buy what we don't need in bigger and bigger quantities if we're going to keep the economy going. It's called coveting coveting we are eagerly desiring what belongs to another we're not satisfied with what god's given us and we wish enviously for more i gotta have we gotta have it now how do they get us to do this well one they brainwash us certainly in the secular schools because remember that's the purpose of an education right the purpose of an education right is what is to get a good job what's defined as a good job one that earns a lot of money well what do you want a lot of money for so you can buy things that you know, you don't need to give to people who already have everything. And so, so they drill it to you in the education. But you know how they keep it going even after you make it out of school, out of high school or college or whatever? It's called the commercials. The commercials. Have you noticed that? Commercials are, man, they, that's a, you're sitting there, you're having a great day. Right? Things are, oh, wow, what a, what a great service today. 
What a, what a great time of fellowship we had as a Christian. We had some good, a great lunch. God's faithful, right? We got a place to live. We got food in our gut. And, and, and Tom's smiling. He's in a good mood. Life is great and it's awesome. And, and you turn on the TV, you're not happy. Oh, no, you're not. You think you are, but you're not. Not until you drive this car, right? It's a way of life. They don't even tell you about the car anymore. Have you noticed that? I just, I wait for them. Hey, just, how about some gas mods? Throw it out, something. Oh, no, it's just some guy who falls in the back of a pool and then driving down the road. and becomes, he's, he's good looking, so I guess you get to be good looking and have a fancy house with a pool if you drive this car. What? The commercials are designed to get us to not just want stuff, but what is that? It's called the sin of coveting. That's why we break this all the time. Instead of being content with what we have, as the Bible says, the commercials manipulate into coveting what we don't have. It's a whole way of life. One guy, he puts it this way. This is cool. He said there was a time when the ads gave us information about the products, okay? But that was when we needed what was being sold, right? He uses the example. How many of you guys remember that uh, soap, Life Boy? Right? He says, if you remember back in the day, black and white commercials, he said they'd hold up a bar of soap and says, Life Boy gets rid of, and then a foghorn would go off, B-O. Right? So, right? so at least it was honest. It's soap, and it does something positive for you. It gets rid of odor. Okay. They don't tell you anything about the product anymore. He said advertising has to be far more sophisticated if it's going to appeal to us whose basic needs have already been met. He said to listen to the ads today is to be sure that everything needed for spiritual well-being can be secured if you just got enough money. He said, for instance, hamburgers, just a hamburger, it's sold by appealing to your sense of losing out on life. You deserve a break today at McDonald's. All you got for your money was some ground meat, but you deserve a break today. Buick is something you can believe in. See, you just thought it was a car. No, no, no. It's a religious conviction, right? And he says there's the big time beer ad where some guys are seated by a stream. They're cooking fish over this open fire and it's evening and it's obvious the sportsmen had a great day of fishing and a, a deep voice sings out, Amen. here's the good friends. <laughs> we'll pray for you, Larry. <laughs> here's, here's the good friends. Tonight is kind of special. And then one of the guys, he takes a can, he opens that up, he holds it up, and with deep sincerity, he says to his friends, you know, guys, it just doesn't get any better than this. He says, you're looking at a can of beer. That's all it is. He says, but what the ad conveys is the idea that what comes with this beer is a sense of intimacy with good friends. I don't know if you've learned this one. I went through this the hard way before I got saved. The more beer you drink with your friends, the dumber you get. And it don't lead to intimacy, it leads to bad times, okay? Uh, but anyway, but then there's the most famous ad of all time, he says. In it, we are showing people from all the nations of the world. There's blacks and whites from South Africa. There's people from Asia, Latin America. There's ethnic types from all over Europe, and they're all holding hands, and they're all singing together in unison. I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. And he says, and what is it that brings perfect harmony to broken humanity? It's not Jesus Christ, it's Coca-Cola. Unless you doubt, it ends with, it's the real thing. That's commercials. And that was back in the day. That was, what, 20, 30 years ago. Even more sophisticated and blunt about it today. What is it? We are being manipulated by commercials, this advertising to what? It's not just buy stuff. It, it's, it's getting us to think that, oh, no, God's not good enough for you. God hasn't provided enough for you. Don't be satisfied with what you got. 
covet. Break this Ten Commandment now! In order to what? Be fulfilled and satisfied. Sinning against God is going to bring satisfaction? What? No wonder people are so dissatisfied with life because covenant, coveting will never get it. And now, now and again, and here, here's what's ironic with that. That's just, that's just the daily pressure we have to deal with. We were raised up in that society. That's the whole reason why you get a job. Excuse me, by the way, to backtrack, the purpose of an education is to become a better servant to serve Jesus, uh, people in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what the purpose of an education used to be in our country. It's not just about getting a good job. It's to become a better equipped servant to serve others in the name of Jesus Christ. But see, so we have to deal with that in the educational system. Then you get out of the educational system every single day. These commercials cover, 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 cover. But once again, I just happened to notice we have now made an annual event of breaking this commandment called covenant. And can anybody guess what that annual event is? Christmas. We lie and we covet. It's no longer a time of celebrating the coming of the Christ child. It's a time to covet and covet like wild. Right? Now, let me show you just how much we covet during this time. We break this commandment. Let's take a look at some statistics. Uh, individual shoppers are expected to spend on average $800 on gifts. Bang! Just like that. Okay, that's just average. In one year, Americans used 28,497,464 rolls and sheets of wrapping paper during that time of the year. In one year, we used 16,826,362 packages of tags and bows. The percentage of adults who buy gifts for themselves, 73%. Right? Ah, I thought it was supposed to be for other people. That's Yeah, whatever. Right? Because you got to get that thing, too, to be satisfied. Whoa. Hey, the National Retail Federation estimates, listen, we will spend about $630.5 billion this year on gifts, decorations. and That's over, over a half a trillion. We ain't got money to help out with this. We ain't got money to do this. We ain't got money to do that. We can't help that. But somehow you find it when it comes to this time to the tune of a half a trillion. Over. A half a trillion. Oh, and because of this, uh, Americans now owe $901 billion on their credit cards. See, that's where it comes from. Because I, I, I don't know about you, but uh, one of the best ways to get into, Jim, the, the Christmas spirit, one of the best ways to really just really just immerse yourself into it is to, is to go in debt. <laughs> Whoa! You get those bills, and you're just like, oh, I feel so satisfied. I couldn't. How many guys have learned that debt is an acronym? D-E-B-T, it stands for Dumb Excuses for Buying Things, right? Wow. Somebody's doing a pretty good job of getting you and I to covet all the time, every day, and then now we're making an annual event of it called Christmas, okay? Yeah, I, I'm sure, and, and they do this every year. Have you noticed on the news? That's right, shop, shop, shop till you drop, shop some more, because if you keep shopping, we might actually break even at this year's economic statistics, blah, 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 the... S&P, whatever, R and L, Q, B, Z. It may be an economic bliss, but it's a slap in the face to the purpose of Christmas. And again, here's the irony with the last commandment. What's Christmas about? What's it supposed to be about? We celebrate the time when all hope was lost. All of us are doomed straight to hell, myself included. We can't even keep these Ten Commandments. And yet God, out of love and mercy, sent his son, Jesus Christ, as a baby, to grow up to become a man, 
to die, to live the perfect life, and then die the perfect, satisfying death to God for us. That's what we should be celebrating. And then we lie about it and commit another sin called coveting. When it should be celebrating the fact, listen, the fact that even when we're coveting and even when we're lying about it, those are sins and Jesus still died to forgive even those. Does anybody see the irony in that? Absolutely wild. But again, if you're not going to spend time honoring the birth of Jesus and instead celebrate some sort of economic boost, then, then again, don't make it worse. And break the ninth commandment again. Don't, don't, don't call it Christmas. Call it what the world's turned it into. Call it consumer mass. Because that's what they turned it into. Christmas is not about buying enough stuff to fill your stockings high. It's about Jesus Christ born in the stable so we'd have a mansion when we die. That's what it's all about. But again, you might come on, Pastor, not coveting, right? You know, it's just an annual thing. Everybody gets caught into this, right? I'm the only human. It's not that big of a deal. Yes, it is a big deal. Because once again, God is consistent. Coveting is the 10th commandment, right? You can't size it. You can't color it. It's the 10th commandment. And coveting is called a sin. And God's consistent. When you sin against the holy God, you deserve to die. I didn't say that. He did. Let's take a look at that text again. Deuteronomy chapter 7, 25 through 26. The images of their gods, he, God says, you are to burn in the fire. Do not what? Do not covet the silver and the gold on them and do not take it for yourselves. Why? Or you will be ensnared by it for it is detestable to the Lord your God. Do not bring a detestable thing into your house or you like it will be set apart for what? God's blessing, his favor, no, his destruction when you covet these things. Wow. Anybody starting to get this next reminder? We, we saw it with the traveling tabernacle. Got to go through the gate, the sacrifice, labor of cleansing, the bread of life, the light, the veil was torn, the high priest, the holy of holies, the blood sprinkle on there. Woo-hoo, direct access to God, but it's only through his way, through Jesus. And even those people who would dare say, oh, hey, listen, well, at least my, my you know, good outweighs my bad. What's God trying to tell us? No wonder people aren't getting this message anymore because we've ripped the Ten Commandments out of the schools, out of our courtrooms, out of our hearts, even, frankly, out of the pulpit. No wonder they don't understand what the gospel is. What's the gospel? God is holy. We are not. We deserve to die and go to hell. Praise God. There's a way out through Jesus. But if you never deal with the Ten Commandments, you never get the real gospel. God's reminding us, man, you can get all things in life wrong. Don't get this one wrong. He is holy. He is holy. He is holy. He doesn't play around with sin. He doesn't mess with sin. He doesn't excuse sin. He doesn't size it. He doesn't color it. It's sin. It's an offense to him. That's why there's a place called hell. And he can nuke this planet and start all over. But he says, because I'm also love, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get out. See, that's the issue, isn't it? How many people do we know who still think that it's by being a good person is how you get to heaven? They're everywhere. I won't tell you which church I was pastoring at. But at one of the churches I pastored at, 
in the beginning of my pastorate there, there were people on the board who thought that. And it really concerned me. Because if you think that you're getting to heaven on your own good works, you're not getting there. Which means you're not a Christian, which means what in the world's going on here? You got non-Christians steering the direction of this church. And my mission field was not just the people in the pew and in the community, it was on the church board. But God peels all that away and he puts up his divine x-ray called the Ten Commandments and says, uh-uh. I could have nailed a hundred of them up here, a thousand up here. I just, how about ten? Can you keep these ten things? Oh, you can't? What's the conclusion? I need Jesus. You can't get to heaven on your own is the message he's trying to get across to us. The best way I've ever seen it encapsulated, what's the Ten Commandments all about? What's God trying to tell us? It's this video. Let's take a look at it. Next. File, please. Mm -hmm. Some lying, some stealing, and some acts of kindness here and there. I tried to live a good life. Well, let's see how good. This way. Next. Bio, please. Okay, I admit it. I did a lot of bad things. Yes, I see. But I've done good things, too, you know, to offset the bad things. Like, one time, I cheated on a test, but then I cleaned up trash in the park. Mm-hmm. That should balance out, right? Let's find out. This way. That should have balanced out, right? It should have balanced out. Next. Bio, please. Impressive. Oh, yeah. I devoted my entire life to making this world a better place. I dug wells in Africa. I donated blood every month. And I ran an orphanage in India. I mean, I just wish I could have done more. Mm-hmm. And is this your subscription? I only read the articles. I only read the articles. Next. My mom goes to church. I was baptized as a baby. Take American Express, right? Next. File, please. Whoa. Somebody's been busy. Well, let's get this over with. Sorry, um, I didn't know he was with you. Okay, step on the scale. Not you. Him. Hey, wait a minute. That is totally not fair. That's why it's called grace. Next.
That's what the last four weeks were really all about. That's what the Ten Commandments are all about. God is trying to desperately get this message through our heads before it's too late. Because one, one day we're, gonna die. we're all going to stand before God. He's trying to let us to get the message that He is holy. We, are not, we need somebody to save us because no amount of good works can get us there. And we not only need to hear that individually, but Christian, we need to live that truth and demonstrate it. Because if you want to make a difference in a country, it's not more man-made laws. Man's laws cannot change man's heart. But Jesus Christ can. And even before we get to heaven, by His grace, as He so rightly mentioned, you want to make a difference for America? You want to make a difference in this world? Lead souls to Jesus Christ. Get into their head what God's trying to remind us. Listen, this is how you get saved. There's only one way. God is holy. We are not. I can't even keep these ten things. Let's roll through them in case you want to play the game. Oh, by the way, now that you realize you're doomed, now let me tell you the good news. Jesus wants to be your advocate so that when you stand before God, He will wipe everything you've done completely clean. He'll step on the scale for you and give you a brand new life. Changed hearts in Christ's don't do the atrocities we see what's happening in our nation. You want to bring peace? You want to bring unity? You want to get this country back together again? Preach Jesus Christ. Church, we need to remind ourselves of the purpose of the Ten Commandments. And we need to get busy sharing them while there's still time. Amen? Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven. And that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal, okay? How many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars, okay? Well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief, okay? The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says you shall not use the Lord's name in vain, Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how 
uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved. Jesus Christ has now become a cuss word. Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. Okay, and folks, let's be honest. We've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that, and it's just as bad. He knows the mind. He knows the heart, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God and you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn, we, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it, and a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins, and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it and they can't earn it. If he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell, 
and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.